Hello, and welcome to another riveting episode of the Seeing Red podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Amanzata, here for the last podcast of the 2023 calendar year. Um, and what a year it's been. It's really seemed to fucking fly by. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, it feels like just yesterday we were getting this back off the ground. We were recording, you know, the the preamble to the season. And then, you know, kind of I did my little like one quarter mark thing. But here we are 32 games into the year and um, kind of par for the course for the Calgary Flames. Not a ton of clarity as to whether they're for real or whether they're not. But that's uh, why we're here to chat. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I could be joined today by a by a co-host not just uh, you know chatting into the into the ether here. So um, I'd like to introduce JT. JT, why don't you introduce yourself to our listener base a little bit? Yeah, I'm JT Tomiyama. I grew up in Calgary. I used to work at Sports 960, so it was all flames all the time. And now I work for uh, USA Today uh, on their sports betting uh, culture site. So uh, no, happy to be here. Um, yeah, excited to discuss the very. Very weird flames, but <laughs> very weird is like very accurate. That's exactly how I describe them. Um, and it, it's bizarre because it is, it really has felt like a season of highs and lows. And when you balance it out, it's just one game below 500, breathing down the final wild card spot and like in the hunt, um, which with the current contract situation, with the current roster construction, really kind of is maybe the worst possible scenario for uh, the organization that's trying to figure out whether they should kind of uh, stick to the existing kind of plan that Craig Conroy had inherited or whether it's worth going in a new direction. Um, So with that being said, uh, JT, let's just start off with kind of your State of the Union. How have you enjoyed the Flames thus far into the year? What's kind of your overall impression of them? Um, what What are you seeing out there? Uh, it's like the same for the last five years. <laughs> it's yeah, just like, that really is. It's like good games. Some games you're like, how did you lose that game? And then some games like, how did you win that game? Like, yeah, like the past two games, if you would have asked a lot of people, they probably thought Calgary would have went 0-2 against like the, mm-hmm. that Panther series. They thought you probably would have thought they would have lost both those games. But Totally. Um, they won. And I think this year's, a bit different just because there's so many players that are on expiring deals and mm-hmm. um it's like it's like awkward <laughs> almost it it's is. like it's like they lose one or two you're like okay maybe they'll just trade everyone and yeah. then then they win a couple you're like oh they're they're in it like do they mm-hmm. do they just keep them or or do they trade like Lindholm Hannafin um and Tanev I guess Tanev's probably he's probably the most valuable i don't know like for for a contending team this year maybe Mm -hmm. not in the future but um for this year probably but it just it's just been an awkward awkward uh start i guess like almost pretty successful if you're a flames fan that they're in it it's not like they've lost every game but totally um, they're in it so it's just an awkward spot yeah i don't envy craig conroy or any of those people like that's it's a really tough spot to be in right now, for sure. Yeah, so. to- totally agree. And um, I-, I-, I actually agree with a lot of what you said. I think, you know, it is very deja vu all over again with this team where it's like, you know, if there's 16 teams in the Western Conference, they're hovering between 10 and 8, you know? And yeah. it's like, 
okay, this is not ideal. You're kind of waiting for either the Flames to like rip off eight straight and like solidify themselves as like a for real team or the opposite where they lose like eight straight and it's like very obvious that you have to go in another direction. But in classic Calgary Flames fashion, they're just kind of hovering right here where, you know, um, you kind of can't really make a, a drastic decision one way or the other. I think to your point though about, uh, from a fan's perspective, it is great because the games are entertaining. Like they're in it every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly over this last kind of 15 game stretch that everybody kind of outlined and highlighted as like these are the cream of the crop. These are some of the best teams in the league. Like you had the Devils go through here, the Canes, you know, the Knights a few times, the Avs a few times, the Stars a few times. And Again, par for the course. Like there, I think there's something like six, five, and two over the stretch with two games left. Um, obviously, with this last little mini road trip through California, where they play Anaheim and then LA, and then that's uh, that's the calendar flipping over into 2024. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting following this team over the last you know month and change here because it's also I feel like they've played a ton. You know, I feel like. Uh, I mean, you look at like the Kings who've played about 28 or 29 games. The Flames have played 32, but it feels like they're just playing all the time. Uh, and they're basically halfway through their year, right? Uh, yeah. And again, still zero clarity. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's been a bizarre one for sure. So with that said, uh, you know, given the recent run of play, you've chatted about how with the two Florida teams coming in, you would think those were losses for sure, especially with kind of how they pooped down their leg a little bit of ghosts of uh, flame seasons past where they looked impressive through two periods against both Vegas and Colorado and then lost the leads at kind of that pinnacle closeout, you know, Reggie Miller winning time portion of the game. Uh, so you would think not a lot of momentum, long road trip coming back to Calgary, but then they have, you know, two pretty convincing victories over the Florida teams. Um, so with all that said, you would think that momentum is kind of on their side heading up to go play an Anaheim team that is, you know, young and rebuilding and not, um, the Anaheim teams of flames past that have tortured us for, you know, most of our kind of adult lives. Um, in fact, the narrative is actually kind of flipped a little bit where, uh, it used to be a guaranteed L going to the Honda center, you know? Uh, (laughs) and actually the flames have ripped off six straight in Anaheim, uh, which is so bizarre for me. I'm still kind of getting (laughs) used to that. So all of this has been a long winded way of me kind of, you know, positioning the question of JT, what are you expecting over these last two games of 2023? If it was how I, how it's gone in the past, they probably lose these two games. <laughs> yeah. Just, just how, just how, like, me, when I was just being at Sportsman, like, the momentum, you'd be like, man, these guys are good. And then it'd be like, oh, they go to Anaheim or like they go to Arizona. It's like they get beat like 5 1 or 5 2. And then, yeah. And then just like back to square one after like winning really two really good games. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. They, they do seem a little different that their play is like almost, it's like they're able to repeat it more. Like it's, it's more consistent. Like it's not as like last year where, where they would shoot like 80 times on net and then they'd win like two, one and you're like, or they lose two and you're like, they can't keep doing that. But it seems like this year it's been a lot more uh, consistent and like, you kind of know what you're going to get every game. Maybe, maybe the goaltending has been like the stuff that you're like, not really sure from night to night what you're going to get. But I feel like mm-hmm. their play is a lot more consistent. 
and even like the bad parts like the power play like you know that's gonna be bad <laughs> oh you know it's gonna be so bad the flames but power play is actually go, go ahead yeah but it's like you know it's gonna be bad so it's like the expectations aren't really that high like um so i think like stuff like that like obviously you don't want your power play to be awful but um i think if you if you know what you're gonna get from them every night then that's a lot more easy to repeat than just like the highs and lows and i think husk has done a good job of also like balancing the lineup and and knowing who to play with who like uh like obviously when zari's in there and then kadri has been really good actually like mm-hmm. the past like month or so so i think he's done a good job of that but yeah i hope they win but it's like you just never know like they're like almost like minus 200 favorites i'm like i don't like that <laughs> yeah wow minus 200 in anaheim right now hey eh? like that's right, guys. Yeah, I was like, preposterous I like that. yeah i'm not so, touching that with a 10 foot pole no uh, uh yeah yeah go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say um you, you dropped a lot of good points in there that's why i'm kind of i'm trying to hop in here but yeah. i think to your point about huska kind of pushing the right buttons at least at this current juncture, like, uh, you know, a little inside baseball. We had JT on earlier in the season, uh, but, you know, because of just technical difficulties, we couldn't release it. But I remember back then we're like, man, we can't figure out a set of lines that work. There's no chemistry here. Maybe this whole roster is just, you know, like you go to a buffet, you get some some pizza and some fucking Chinese food and some fried chicken, and it's all great and it's on its own. But when you eat it all together, it's not sitting great. But now it seems like he's kind of found homes, certainly with the Kadri, uh, Pospisil, Zeri line, the Kadri and the kids line as they're known mm-hmm. kind of locally. Uh, and in fact, Money Puck dropped uh, a graphic today about uh, expected goals leaders amongst lines that have played at least 100 minutes together. And the Flames are that the Kadri and the kids line is actually sixth uh, among you know all lines in the NHL, which is very encouraging. Um but now you're also starting to see like the Sharon Govich Lindholm Mangiapane line is starting to look a little competent. And yeah. um, I mean, Backlund and Coleman, you always know what you're getting. It kind of sucks that Huberto has been kind of, you know, thrust there and maybe is not in the most attractive position for his game to, to flourish the way you would think it would. But yeah. I don't hate him being there with the two most responsible and, to your point, consistent guys on the team night in, night out. Maybe he's not contributing to the level you would like your $10.5 million superstar to contribute, but he's not exactly hurting you either, which mm-hmm. I think is like, that's good baby steps. Um, yeah. And what that translates into um, on the ice is you'll have, and I've found this like often, it's like the Flames are good for like three, four, five goals some nights. And it's like 10 different dudes get a point. And I think this kind of vision of like the flames come at you in waves. There's no one line you have to check. You kind of have to worry about everybody. I think we've kind of started to unlock what the line combinations are like. That'll allow the flames to kind of roll those lines with confidence. And then I haven't even mentioned the fourth line of, you know, uh, the, the fourth line captain in AJ Greer, who's playing amazing for what he is. And then, you know, the two kind of projects in Rusichka and Dubé, um, probably not being utilized in a way that they would like to be, but you know they play between seven and eleven good hard minutes a night, and nobody really plays like the you know the McDavid dry settle twenty four minutes, uh, and and it just turns out that like the Flames are generating offense and it's coming from everybody, and that's probably what's leading to like 
you know, that consistency that you you mentioned where it's like on any given night, one of these lines is going to have it going because most teams can't check all four of them, right? Yeah. You kind of have to pick your poison. And I think it's kind of starting to work a little bit. I'm kind of talking myself into like the Flames <laughs> might actually be good, but yeah. the record would uh, suggest we're not quite there yet. But I also think that's a byproduct of the fact there's been a lot of instability in net. Um, with Markstrom having missed a little bit of time here and there, uh, you know, Vladar and Dustin Wolf just being like young goalies that are prone to a little inconsistency. I think if they can solidify the back end a little bit with how the lines are currently constructed and and humming, you could have a team that can certainly remain competitive. The question is for how long, especially as the trade deadline, uh, looms. Yeah. I was going to ask you something like, I know I just checked like he has 20 points or something, but like is Lindholm had like the worst, like almost like semi like contract year. Like it's not a contract year, but it's a contract. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's a great question. Sorry to cut you off there. No, no. But uh, yeah, you know, it's not been an ideal contract year. I'll (laughs) give you that. Uh, You know, you'd like to see him have the Matthew or Johnny, like 80, 90, hundred point year. Mm-hmm. But I also think, um, you know, the radio guys love to cut the, the the players the benefit of the doubt being like, oh, this contract yeah. situation is looming and he's not focused. He's got a young family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To me, man, like I just like, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm being harsh and obviously I'm not in the room. I'm not as close to the team as the dudes who cover this team for a living, but yeah. he just kind of looks checked out to me a little bit. You know, it yeah. looks like he's very much thinking about not do I want to stay in Calgary or do I want to go elsewhere? He's thinking, do I want to go to Colorado? Do I want to go to Boston? Do I want to go to Carolina? Do I want to go to Dallas? You know what I mean? Like he's Calgary's kind of out of the picture for him a little bit. It kind of feels yeah. to me like he's looking elsewhere and I don't blame him because the flames have basically stripped him of his, his line mates the last two years between yeah. Kachuk, Johnny and now to Foley. Like he's probably up to here with us, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, but that being said, Sharon Govich is starting him and Sharon Govich are starting to gel. And mm-hmm. if you did want to keep him around, that might be one of the selling features of, of keeping him around is you're like, look, we, we got Sharon Govich tied up for the next three years. Like that'll be your guy. And, um, you know, maybe even longer than that. So, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, yes, this has been a less than ideal contract year for sure. Yeah, Hannafin's had a good year though. He's he's actually kind of like I think he's boosted his value more than he had in the beginning of the year. That's certainly sure. and and you know they they leaked that early kind of contract extension. They were saying that he's going to make Devon Taves money at seven and a half, and I think a lot of people were like, "Ooh, that's not sitting too great." I've always been like, you know, like seven and a half. Probably there's like probably a little sticker shock there, just because yeah. like. You know, when I grew up watching hockey, Jerome McGinley was our highest paid player at $7 million. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, been yeah. a few years since that. So $7 yeah. million might still seem like a lot of money. But, you know, you see it in baseball where it's like $10 million is the new $5 million, right? Your fifth starter is going to make $10 million. And so yeah. if you're 1A, 1B, 1C defenseman is making seven and a half for seven years, he's already played 80,000 NHL games. He's 26 yeah. years old. He skates like the wind. He's got great hair. He gets along with everybody in the room. Yeah. Uh, I kind of think that's what it costs to keep a guy like that around. Um, yeah. The question yeah, Eric is, Francis, is. Yeah. Eric Francis did say he's gone. Like he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, okay. But yeah, he was like, yeah, he's gone. But Eric I Francis, mean, the worst. 
the worst part about Francis, in my opinion, is that he's fucking right like all the time. You know, the only, like the only time he was wrong, well, that the famous one is when he went on TSN radio, like probably like ten years ago now, and he's like, "Yeah, Flames moving to Houston." <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, he, yeah, then yeah. he came onto like Calgary Airways. And he's like, "No, nah, that's not happening." And then people are like, "But you just said they're gone." Yeah, Talking about both sides of the, their franchise. That was the that's the one time he was maybe yeah he got think he got. Uh, wires crossed but he he is tapped in though. i i do know that he is tapped in to the flame organization mm-hmm. and pretty at high levels too so but yeah he yeah. yeah he seemed pretty convincing that he's gone so but. for sure for sure and you know what i mean like if noah's gone you know if lindy's gone like more power to you both uh all the best you guys were great flames no hard feelings that's the business you know um yeah, yeah. but it's it's becoming tricky with the fact that they are kind of starting to find their 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 form a little bit, um, especially because I think from an organizational standpoint, for better or worse, whether people like it or not, this org is all about winning now, right? It's always been about winning now. We're not super interested in, you know, doing the – I mean, they're called lottery picks for a reason, you know? Like you're literally – you're guessing, you don't know what you're getting, yeah. right? So if you're winning now, a win now is worth more than you know two wins in the future, at least to this org. So, yeah. um, with Hannafin playing better, I think that's another dude that they'd be like, you know, trying to knock on his door and be like, "Hey, is there any way you're looking to take another call here?" Um, I think with Lindholm, that ship has kind of sailed. And actually, I watched um, I watched Insider Trading on TSN with uh, LeBron. And he basically oh, yeah. insinuated as much. He's like, I, I do think he's going to leave. I don't think any doors are closed between the Lindholm camp and, and the and the Flames. But if I was a betting man, I would guess that he's going to go to either Colorado or Boston. And so I immediately go on daily faceoff and I start looking at, you know, the Boston Bruins org chart. And I'm like, yeah. man, there's not a lot to like here. <laughs> well, they've traded a lot. Like they've been in right. now mode for a while. So they probably don't have. And, and if yeah, you get they- a pick, it's not going to be high. So. Well, they already traded their first round pick this year for Bertuzzi, and like oh. I, I, I don't really care uh, about um, like this year versus next year versus three years from now, right? But if you're the Bruins, you're probably like, hey, we can't go two years without a first round pick, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think it's it's just less likely that they're going to make that deal, and so now it's like, okay, it's Colorado. And the Chicklets guys are like, yo, Bowen Byram. But that doesn't fucking make sense to me either from a Colorado standpoint because you're trying to win now. And that's a guy who's contributing right now. You know? So, um, and, and, and the last little bit I'll I'll, I'll throw on this is you mix in the fact that, to your point, Elias Lindholm is having maybe the worst contract year or not quite contract year. Um in recent memory or not the worst that's you know a little harsh but he's not maximize he's not having the you know sign me type of year in all caps that you would like him to and you know is is he hurting his value a little bit compared to if you were to trade him in the summer like it's probably gone down at least a little bit right so you're probably not getting Bowen Byram for Elias Lindholm right now I don't think yeah I don't think so either because pretty much like from you've seen even like the Vegas, like you win championships through a really good defense, and then true. I don't, I don't think they'd want to give up Bowen Byron, especially he's got like he's got immense talent and he's really good on defense. So I don't think. Yeah, he's twenty-two. Um, 
Yeah, so I don't think they'd give up for Lindholm. And and if Lindholm says, like, I want to sign here, Mm -hmm. and and even if they have enough money, but, like, I don't think they would want to risk that right now. But And I think to wrap a bow on the whole, you know, Flames uh, pending UFAs, uh, I think that's why Chris Tanev is actually, to your point, maybe the most attractive option. Um, you know, in terms of like bang for your buck, if you're if you're shopping at Flames R Us, you know, <laughs> Chris Tanev is probably the one that's like, if you're a contender, you're like, okay, we're fine moving some assets for you. And if you don't resign, that's totally cool too. You're like a 33-year-old defensive defenseman who just due to the way he plays is a little bit more of an injury risk than these other two guys, which will cost us a pretty penny, right? So yeah. I think if there is a bidding war to be had, it would be for a guy like Chris Tanev. But then there's also the whole, if you're the Flames, everybody, everybody to a man has nothing but good things to say about Chris Tanev and the value he has not only on the ice but in the locker room and in the community and as a leader and as a mentor. So like that's a dude you'd actually want to keep around. Yeah. Um, yeah. So very tricky situation. Craig Conroy, you got a tough job. Very tough. Very tough. Um, Okay, awesome. So now let me ask you, in the spirit of the holiday season, uh, I know we just kind of chatted about the Flames play overall as a whole, um, but I'd love to just kind of hear, like, who's been on your naughty list? So maybe a little bit uh, disappointing. You wish you'd had a little more out of them. Um, And then who's on your nice list? Who's been, you know the opposite of a lump of coal who's like the n64 with golden eye you got under your christmas tree mom and dad really like fucking pulled this one through and like you're over the moon with how he's been playing i think the naughty lists are just pointing i think it's it's gotta be huberto it's gotta be 10 right it's gotta be 10 (laughs) yeah like i'm sure he's a really nice guy and that's all i've heard on the radio he's such a nice guy and he whatever he's not paying he's not playing like the highest paid guy in the team or the superstar. He, right. He, it's not the uh, national nice guy league, right? No. And like, <laughs> coming back from like coaching, like if later now, like I always catch sometimes like overtime or whatever, the flames post game. And, yeah. Like people are like trying to come up. They're like, they're like, I saw him playing junior and like, I know he's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's, that's, that's a long way. It's a long time ago, but people like want him to be good, but like, yeah, he hasn't been good at all. So totally. uh, I think it that's this the most disappointing because if he was playing like I don't know, like I like somewhat good. Like if he was playing on Cadre's level, this team mm-hmm. would look way different. Like um, You gotta think so. And the hype that he had, just like like he didn't have to sign in Calgary. Like that wasn't right. really like it wasn't forced on him, but he wanted and then Obviously, Tree Living gave him whatever, 10, 10 plus, and that's hard to turn down for seven, eight years. 10 million but, reasons to stay, right? Yeah. So, yeah, him and like Lindholm are kind of like Lindholm still, I think Lindholm's really good on the defensive side and he yeah. kills penalties, which, and their penalty kill's been really good. So, mm-hmm. I think the point production from Lindholm would be more, maybe more disappointed, but like overall, it would for sure be, um, uh, Huberto, for sure. Would you know, I uh, I did not want to come on here and talk shit about Jonathan Huberto. Like I did, <laughs> that was the last thing I wanted to do. And actually, I I empathize or sympathize, whichever one's the correct one, with the dudes who do this for a living, because it's got to be tough, man. Coming in here every day and just 
having a fresh take on Jonathan Huberto. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's just fucking impossible. But yeah, he has to be the biggest disappointment on the team. Um, especially with you know, he doesn't make it easy on himself, bro. Like he'll come out in the media and be like, yo, Calgary hasn't met me yet. Like, I'm here, like I work so hard in the offseason. You guys ain't seen nothing yet. Like, you're gonna get to know Jonathan Huberto in all caps. And and then this happens. And it's like, <laughs> dude, like, I don't even know. I don't even know. So I mean, if you're looking for silver linings, it's like, again, since being put with Coleman and Backland, like he's not hurting you really. No, and no, yeah. he's been around it. Like he's he's had some looks into some yawning cages that you're like, oh my God, can this just please go in for you? And it just hasn't worked out. Um, but I mean, you gotta, if, if you're him, you gotta kind of keep at it. And I think... If you're Jonathan Huberto, you take a lot of inspiration from your your teammate, Nazem Kadri, who was also yeah. much maligned to start the year and was like, yeah, like, I'm not fucking worried about it. He's like, I'm a National Hockey League player. I've won a Stanley Cup. I know I'm good. I know that I'm I'm chipping away and it's going to start working out. You know, I'm just going to yeah. not think about that. I'm going to just, you know, live in the moment. I'm going to go play hockey because that's what mm-hmm. I do. And I'm confident that it's going to work out. I think if you're if you're Jonathan, you gotta be you gotta you know try to take on some of those personality traits that you see from Kadri, and and maybe that'll be the kind of thing that'll that'll set you straight because I think he just feel it seems like he feels everything so deeply, you know. Yeah, I yeah. I bet you, man. Like no one listens to this podcast, but maybe Jonathan Huberto does because he it just seems like he just list, he's consuming everything. Right? Yeah, maybe yeah, you gotta yeah. maybe you gotta tune it out a little bit. Tune out the outside noise, just focus on your game. Uh yeah. because we need you, Ben. We need you. Yeah. Right? So it's tough. Well, they, yeah, they definitely need him. Like if he just turns it up a little bit and gets a little help from Wendell, I think like if they stay above the West doesn't seem that as strong. Like the mm-hmm. just mud, like a, a mud just a bunch of people in one spot. Like, the, no one can really get up. No one can really get down. Like, but Whalers won, like, six in a row, and they're, like, still way behind. Seven points back. Yeah. Seven like, points and back. They, and they went on a huge winning streak. So, like, mm-hmm. if the Flames keep going, then obviously, like we said, that trade deadline will be very stressful for uh, Craig Conroy. <laughs> Especially yeah. if they're, like, a point out. Like I don't think if they're point out that ownership would let him trade anyone. So, um, mm-hmm. I think I think this kind of transitions nicely into kind of the the nice list. Um, yeah. But one last note on Huberto, who's been the unanimous you know naughty list lump of coal recipient. Poor guy. God bless his soul. <laughs> uh, in the same way that Connor Zari, like Zari Zari, you know, it's a woozy, it's a wazzy, it's a. Uh, he was a shot in the arm. He and Pospisil were a shot in the arm for Kadri and kind of helped him get going a little bit. Um, I really think, you know, Huberto's self-confessed son, Jacob Peltier, might offer um, that same kind of shot in the arm. And, you know, I've heard in the new year. So take that how you will. I don't know if that's January or February, but, you know, I, I heard it was December, maybe January. So maybe it's, closer to um you know when we pick things back up in 2024 than it is later on but 
And I mean, the roster is just chalked full of medium, like middle six forwards. And so he's going to be in a dogfight to find some some uh, ice time himself. But I'm yeah. kind of I'm kind of banking on the fact that like just having his buddy back, Jacob Pelche, you know, one of the few dudes in the city that don't yeah. look at him with any ire, actually still like idolize him and love love Jonathan and think he's an amazing hockey player. Not that everyone thinks he's ass, but you know, certainly his play of late is not where you'd like it to be. I think a guy like Jacob Pelche could maybe hopefully get some of the best out of Huberto in the same way that Zeri and Pospisil kind of helped Kadri get going a little bit. Um, Now the question is, where do you slot him? Right. Uh, But that's uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Okay. So JT, your nice list. Who's been your most pleasant surprise this year? Um, I think it's uh, like the young kids, like Zari and like Pospisil. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've been like pleasant surprises. And I think the one guy who may have had a lot, maybe not a lot of pressure, but more pressure than some would be uh, Sharon Govich. Yep. I think Agreed. just because of that trade with Toffoli and that he didn't start off as hot and people are like, why did we trade <laughs> for this guy? But no, I think he's been really good. Like, um, when I like following inside, like he's he's always on the score sheet somehow. Like he gets there somehow. He and really is. He's on the he's on the ice when it's six on five and not Huberto or other people. So um, yeah, he's kind of the guy they go to. So he's he's uh I think he's been the most pleasant surprise. And one I don't know if this is a shot, but Markstrom's figured out how to stop the first puck. So that the first shot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's a shot, but uh, he. <laughs> he has figured like it's not good on the broadcast when like Millen or Rudy's like, oh, he stopped the first one today. Like he's off to a good yeah. start. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I'm like, that's, Dude, like they're keeping track of that. But so that would be like a positive. Cherenkovich and Markstrom's ability to stop the first <laughs> shot. <I'm> like, <laughs> it, it's funny, man. I fucking love our fan base because like we just don't forget, man. Like I, <laughs> he'll still get a Bronx cheer every now and then. Like it'll be like a softy from like the fucking red line, just someone dumping in to go on a change. And like, he makes that stop and the crowd erupts. Everyone's like, yes, let's go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That can't, that can't be good for the confidence, but Jake is also a dude that I think is kind of starting to be like, yeah, man, like I don't listen to the outside noise. Like I'm a professional. I don't really care. And that's, that's how we should be. You know, he, Forget what us fucking eggheads have to say, man. Like, just go out there and play your game, and yeah. you know we'll we'll give it a rest uh, once you know your play does the talking. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd agree. I think the kids have been really, uh, really, really pleasant surprise. I I would say for Sharon Govich, like it's been very cool seeing his ice time just progress every night. Like I'm a I'm a big box score guy. I love to go and look and see uh, you know what what are the what do the numbers say? At least to a pretty superficial degree. I'm not exactly, you know, analytics darling guy. I'm much more of an eye test dude. However, with Sharon Govich, it feels like his ice time is going up every single night. I think he's been up over 20 minutes the last couple nights. And I think that's just a big yeah. vote of confidence for a guy who started the year. Like when he came into camp, they were playing him on the first line. And he found himself like centering the fourth, like kind of in the Ruzichka Dube, like fucking purgatory doghouse. Uh, yeah. But because he has a very unique skill set, certainly on this team, where like he's got hands, he's got a rifle of a shot, he's pretty fast, he's got some good creativity, um, and he's he's worked his way back up. He's starting to play more, and the results are starting to come along with it. And I'm just I'm really happy for the guy because he's just like a soft spoken dude. Like I consume mm. so much post game 
and pregame yeah. scrums. And, um, you know, obviously English is a second language, so I don't expect this guy to be a master orator. But, yeah, yeah he's just like a soft-spoken dude, like seems super nice, says all the right things. I'm sure everyone fucking loves having him around. So really just happy for Sharon Govich, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, the nickname is that sticks because I've heard uh, I've heard Govi, I've heard Sharky. Um, I was going to maybe I don't I don't know I I'll I'll go back to the drawing board, but um, yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of potential there. Yeah, no, I think yeah he's solid, and I think they got him for a couple of years, right? Like they got him. For yeah, him. they signed him like immediately. I think yeah. I think his deal's three years. Oh. Um, so he's here for the foreseeable future, and then who knows, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. The young kids are exciting compared to years past, where we didn't really have any, or or they weren't allowed to step foot in that locker room. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it seems like a lot more open uh, open discussion on who can play, who can't. And uh, I think I think Huska and Conroy have a good relationships, unlike last year, where I don't think Sutter and Tree Living did. So, no. Um, yeah, I think everyone's kind of going in the same direction, which is good. So. It certainly feels that way. And I think um, to even expand it beyond, you know, Zary and Pospisil, which are kind of low hanging fruit in terms of like contribution from the kids. But you look at even um, what Dennis Gilbert and Soloviov and, you know, to a lesser degree, Nick DeSimone and yeah. <coughs> even Dustin Wolf, who has not had much in terms of results. And, you know, his GAA is pretty high and his save percentage isn't as high as you'd like it to be. But, just seeing them getting opportunities and making you know some plays, I think is encouraging. Um, and maybe there's a little bit more young talent here than people even realized, but that's only because for a very long time it certainly felt like organizationally we're like no kids, you know, no kids allowed. Yeah, so basically. I'm so I'm I'm glad to see that that's uh, turning around as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know what, JT, uh, it's been kind of a quick one. I. Uh, I can't believe we're already at 30 minutes, but we've kind of gone through my total itinerary here. So uh, I'll kind of open it up to you if you want to plug anything or if there's anything you want to chat about. Uh, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, I guess I'll give a quick shout out to uh, my senior girls basketball team. Uh, Let's go. 9-0 and on the wow. season. Two tournament wins and then two regular season wins. So, uh, no, we've been uh, we've been kind of rolling and – uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but I think if we keep going, then we should should be up there to make provincials. So um, people have been asking me if I can beat Western. So I, I didn't think I'd be asked that question yet. But uh, huh. uh, no, we've been yeah. It's, we have two really good like uh, a couple of really good players. One will probably go play U Sport next year. So uh, awesome. Um, yeah, we've been kind of rolling. So uh, yeah, we're the, I, I'll say we're the only undefeated team at St. Mary's. So, but. Uh, <laughs> but that's not really true. The senior boys and junior boys are really good, but uh, we haven't lost yet. So I'll give a quick shout out to them, and then we have a nice little break, and then hopefully roll into the new year on a positive note. So I'll give a quick shout right. out to them. So right on. And JT, where can uh, people get in touch with you if they want to follow you and uh, the stuff you write? Yeah, just at at JT Tomiyama on Twitter or X, and then uh, same on Instagram, and then uh, Bet for the Win uh, is the accounts I run in the website that. Uh, contribute to but uh no yeah thanks for having me again it's it's been a lot of fun yeah it's been great catching up with you jt and uh hopefully we'll get to catch up with you again soon yes sir take care